Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Thursday broadcast of Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett, and I want to thank you for listening to the broadcast. And if you'd like to listen to this radio broadcast on the podcast, it is now available at www.buzzsprout.com. Let me spell that out for you. B-U-Z-Z-S-P-R-O-U-T.com and then backslash 1890557. There's also a link on hrcc7.org if that's easier for you to listen to the podcast that way. Well, thank you so much for listening today. I want to talk to you today about why is it that we drift from our faith. Now, we started just at the end of the broadcast yesterday talking a little bit about this subject, but in Genesis chapter 14, we learn about the story of Abraham and his family. We discover they're in trouble. I mean, they're in big trouble. There's a famine in the land, and Abraham's got to find a way to provide for his family. So they pack up the camels, and they move to Egypt. His wife, Sarah, is very beautiful. So he says to her, hey, when we get to Egypt, tell Pharaoh that you're my sister. And his rationale was, I don't mention the fact that you're my wife. Don't go down that path. Because if they find out that we're married, uh, because you're such a beautiful woman, uh, they're going to kill me and they're going to take you. Well, they arrive in Egypt. Abraham is treated extremely well. He's got like these friends with him and they're acting like they're long lost friends. He was given sheep and cattle and servants. Well, obviously, the reason Abraham was treated so well by Pharaoh is because Pharaoh had intentions of marrying Sarah. And so he thought, well, this is the brother. I may as well cozy up with the brother. uh, And then I can kind of give a down payment to him for this beautiful woman. But see, God was not happy with this little deception. You know, God is never happy with little deception. He's not happy with big deception, but he's not happy with deception at all. So God inflicts Pharaoh and his entire household with a very serious disease. We're not sure what it is, but it was pretty nasty. That's what we know. Nasty enough to get Pharaoh searching for reasons as to why he was so ill. Well, he quickly discovers that Sarah is Abraham's wife. And he says to Abraham, why in the world did you do this? Have you lost your mind? I'm being punished for taking your wife and you told me that she's your sister. Yeah, yeah, and you thought your family was strange, right? Abraham is left speechless. So Pharaoh says, take your wife, all your belongings with you, and get out of here. I don't want to ever see you again. Abraham then becomes a drifter, a a gypsy, traveling from one location to another location. In spite of all this drifting around, he was still able to amass a fortune of gold and silver and livestock. After drifting around, he finally ends up where he got started. That is Bethel. Yes, Bethel. That's a sacred place. That later became a city. It's 10 miles north of Jerusalem, and it's called the House of God. It's where Abraham built that first altar to the Lord. Bethel is a place where he worshiped God and where God spoke to him. That's why even today, a lot of churches are named Bethel. Abraham once again calls upon the name of the Lord, even though he's a drifter. God is finally getting him back on track. Oh, did I mention his nephew Lot? Lot was moving about with him. He also had a lot of flocks and a lot of herds and a lot of tents and a lot of stuff. In fact, the land was having trouble supporting all of this prosperity. 
And Lot's servants start fighting with Abraham's servants on to another conflict. One conflict after another. They fought when they had nothing. Now they were fighting because they had too much. And I want you to know, life is full of conflict. It's not just your family. It's in my family too. It's done in all families. Conflict is caused by too much prosperity. Conflict is caused by not enough prosperity. Well, I want you to know that when we begin to drift in our faith, using the story of Abraham today, we're going to discover some interesting facts about how we can avoid drifting into faith. But before we can avoid drifting into faith, we have to know why we drift into faith. Well, Genesis chapter 13 says that Abraham became very wealthy. He had livestock, he had silver, he had gold. We discovered that he had a lot of material possessions. We discovered that Abraham served the Lord. He builds this altar in Bethel. And as he's serving the Lord, God is blessing him and God is prospering him. But we discovered there's a conflict that is coming his way. So let's look at how we have conflicts and why we have conflicts in our lives. Number one, conflicts result from refusal to deal with problems. There was quarreling between Abraham's herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen. There was conflict that is caused because of too much blessing. Nobody seems to be willing to address this conflict. Nobody seems to want to address this problem, so it begins to mushroom. Now, we're told in Luke chapter 17 that we should pay attention to ourselves. If our brother sins, we should go to him. In other words, when there's a conflict of sin, we go to him. If he repents, we forgive him, even if he comes to us seven times in one day. So Abraham finally does confront Lot. And he says, let's not have this conflict between us. Let's come out with a solution, which leads me to the second point. Conflicts will result in our faith. We begin to drift when we don't resolve conflicts. Number two, we discover that we have conflict because we're filled with selfishness. Genesis 13, 10 says, Lot looked around. Abraham gave him an option. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. You can choose whichever side you want to go. You can choose the best for yourself if you so choose to. Genesis 13, Lot looked around. And he saw that the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zor was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chooses the better for himself. And he chooses the better for himself because he was driven by selfishness. He said, me first. Now listen, if you're driven by selfishness, you will have immediate happiness when your selfishness is fulfilled. But it doesn't lead toward happiness on the long run. Immediate gratification, but it ends up leaving you empty. Well, let's look at what else causes conflict in our lives. We talked about problems that are not confronted. We talked about selfishness. There's a third reason why we have conflict. You may not have thought of this one, but oftentimes we have conflict because we do not rely on God's promises. Let's get back to Genesis chapter 13, looking at verse number 14. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are, to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west. All the land that you see, I will give you and your offspring forever. 
So Abraham went to live near the great trees of the Mamre of Hebron, where he pitched his tent. There he built an altar to the Lord. God, in essence, says, listen, Abraham, I'm going to take care of you. Look to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west. Everything that you see, I'm going to give to you and to your offspring forever. So what does Abraham do? He relies on God's promises, and he builds an altar. It looks like Abraham has got the short end of the deal with Lot. He was probably a little set back that Lot, who owed everything that he had to Abraham, would choose the best for himself. I mean, we talk about uh, biting the hand that feeds you. Uh, Here we see that's exactly what Lot did to Abraham. But behind the scenes, God is moving. He was teaching Abraham to worship, especially when it feels like he had lost confidence in someone. Listen, if you have lost confidence in somebody, don't worry about that. Don't focus on that person. Focus on the promises of God. Trust his promises. Trust always produces worship. You see, when God delays things in our lives, it's not a denial. So many times I pray for things and God says, not now, not now, not now. Sometimes I get tired of waiting, but I've learned to wait patiently on the Lord. I remember many years ago, our church was looking to buy a piece of property. We had been in in a rented building for seven years and we were tired of setting up and tearing down and had been around long enough. I said, we need to establish a permanent location. And we began looking for land in the Hickory section of Chesapeake. Well, we looked at one little three-acre lot. And I remember praying over that thing and said, Lord, this is three acres would be a great start for us. And and just praying that the Lord would give us that three acres. And it seemed like it, it kept coming back, no, no, no. And I'm like, what in the world's going on? God was delaying us because he knew that three acres was not big enough. God says, I don't know. Don't settle for that three acres. I got something better. If you just will wait, it's going to take some time for things to work out. It's going to take some time for the church to be ready for this and for things to fall into place. You know, whenever God delays things in our lives, it is always a time of character building, character building, conforming us to Christ. You know, God said no, 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 no to three acres because God had wanted to say yes to 35 acres. And so God has given us 35 acres. God's delays are not his denials. When I look at the story of Lot, Lot is drifting, and he doesn't even know the dangers that he's in. You see, we never drift into nothingness. He was like two young men who were fishing above a dam on a river near their hometown. As they were concentrating on catching fish, they were unaware that they had drifted until they were not far from the water flowing over the dam. When they realized their situation, The current near the dam had become too powerful for them to keep their boat from going over. Below the dam, the water was dashing with a strong force over great boulders and through crevices in the rock. Caught in the swirling waters under the rock, they never came to the surface. After a day of relentless searching, divers finally found one of the bodies. Then two days later, the other one was found. That's exactly where Lot is. He's drifting. He's getting off of close to the edge of going over that dam, but he doesn't even realize it. In Genesis 14, verse number eight, it says, the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, and the other king of Admah, they were marching out and they were drawing the battle lines between the valley of Shittim. And as they're drawing these battle lines, they're putting themselves in a position to try to defeat Abraham, but because 
Lot is so close, he goes into Sodom and Gomorrah, thinking that he'd be safe if he gets into the city, but he's going to have to flee that city because God is going to bring destruction. Oh, how we wish that Lot had seen the danger that he was in. He refused to trust the promises that God would take care of him. So he teams up with the enemies of God. There's something else in our lives that causes us to have conflict. And it causes us to not have any resolution to our conflict. We talked about the fact that we don't deal with problems. We talked about the fact that we are filled with selfishness. We talked about the fact that we don't rely on God's promises to rescue us. And then we get so hung up on only rescuing ourselves. We don't care about the lives of others. As a result of not caring about the lives of others, we begin to drift. When Abraham had heard that his relative Lot was taken captive, he goes out and he gets 318 men, and they go and they rescue Lot. During the night, Abraham divides up his men, and he attacks the enemy, pursuing them, and he recovers his relative Lot and his possessions. God brings about victory. One would think, after going through that great ordeal of being rescued by Uncle Abraham, that nephew Lot would have learned his lesson, but he didn't. He once again turned inward. He once again became filled with selfishness, and he continued to have his tents facing Sodom and Gomorrah. You see, God rescued him, but he never left. It's kind of like the children of Israel. God rescues them from Egypt, but they never really left Egypt. Their hearts were still back in Egypt. Oh, I want you to know that God will use you in a powerful way when you begin to get to the point in your life where you realize it's not just about me, it's about helping others. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, The greatest enemy to human souls is the self-righteous spirit, which makes men look to themselves for salvation. Oh, I look at the story of Lot. He thought he had all the answers that he needed. He failed to realize that God was going to provide. You know, there's another thing that causes us to drift in our faith. Not only do we refuse to deal with the problems in our lives, not only do we get consumed with selfishness, and not only do we stop relying on God's promises, not only do we forget how he's provided for us, that we get to the point in our lives that we no longer rejoice over the provisions of others. As we look at the story of Lot, you would think that he would rejoice over the fact that God has provided for him, that God has protected him, that God has even provided for his uncle Abraham. Abraham was blessed by the Most High. And we discover in Genesis chapter 14, that Abraham is giving a tenth of everything that he has, and he's giving it back to the Lord through supporting the kings that are in his community by paying his taxes, by doing what he should be doing. And it says here that God made Abraham rich. But we don't see this happening in the life of Lot. We don't learn about Lot giving tithes and offerings back to the Lord. We see Lot so consumed with everything that he had. You know what I think about thankfulness? Thankfulness produces blessings. When we are not thankful that we have received these blessings, we begin to lose our relationship with the Lord. The psalmist put it this way, 
The Lord is my strength and my shield. I will trust him with all my heart. He helps me, and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. Oh, I want you to know, God has blessed us so much that we must constantly be giving back, rejoicing over the provisions not only that he has given us, but rejoicing over the fact that he has blessed others as well. Are you filled with jealousy when somebody else gets a blessing and you feel like I've been left behind, that I've been left out of this blessing? I can't celebrate over this brother in Christ or this sister in Christ that is doing well because I'm really filled with resentment. Oh, I want you to know you're starting to drift in your faith. One of the things I learned many years ago is I've learned that God has a way of blessing people and there's a blessability factor that is involved in how God blesses us. And it doesn't have a whole lot to do with theology. I used to think, well, if I had all my ducks in a row, theologically speaking, that God would automatically bless me more than he blessed anybody else. Now, I'm not diminishing the significance of good theology. Theology is our understanding of who God is. Uh, The Bible is very clear on who God is. Uh, We should have a strong understanding and belief in the inerrancy of Scripture. We ought to take a strong uh, stance on issues of family values. We ought to take a strong stance on doctrinal issues like the virgin birth of Christ, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, the literal return of Christ. All these things are cardinal doctrinal truths that we must take a stand on. But you can have all your ducks in a row theologically and still miss the blessings of God. I think blessings of God gravitate around the attitude that we have. The attitude of gratitude. The attitude that God has chosen to bless me. I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it. He has shown his favor upon me. That's what grace is. God's riches at Christ's expense. I don't deserve any of these blessings but he has given them to me. And I can celebrate on the fact that God has blessed me. And I can also celebrate even if God chooses to withhold some of his blessings. I think about Job. Job said this, I came into this world naked. I'm going to leave this world naked. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You see, we can appreciate the graciousness of God even when we are lacking material possessions. Because his grace that is given to us is a blessing that is beyond just material possessions. I think about being able to put my head on a pillow every night and fall right to sleep. I drive my wife nuts because I fall asleep so fast. And the reason I think I fall asleep so fast is because I really don't worry too much about things. I trust the Lord to take care of all of my needs. I trust that he's going to guide me. The book of Philippians 4.19 says that my God shall supply for all of my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And I trust that he's going to do that. I believe that he's going to do that. I believe that if he takes me through a difficult time, that he's going to be teaching me something through that difficult time. And as I go through these difficult times, it's to strengthen my relationship with him. It's to enhance my faith in him, to enhance my confidence that he's going to take care of me. It's to give me an understanding that he wants to teach me something through this difficult time. You know, for many years, my wife and I have been blessed with healthy children. I mean, we're just very fortunate that all of our children were born without any significant health issues. And then God blesses us with a special needs child, our our last child, our, our fifth child. And I was at one point very, I guess you could say very discouraged over that whole 
understanding that, man, I have to get this child that I'm, I'm going to be responsible for the rest of his life and, and, uh, and the rest of my life. And, and I felt overwhelmed when I was thinking about, man, how am I going to do this? And then I realized that God only gives special needs children to special parents. And as a result of this gift that God has given us, God was going to teach us to be more dependent upon Him, to trust Him not only for resources, not only for material possessions, uh, the resources needed to take care of this child, but also with the sound mind and the wisdom and the tenacity. I got thinking about it, and I did some research, and I found that parents that have special needs children, they have an 85% divorce rate. The pressures of having that child 24-7 wreaks havoc on a marriage. I want you to know that we decided to look at that 15% and says, why is it that 15% of them will stay together while 85% of them don't? I discovered something. The 15% of them that stayed together realized that that was a gift that God gave them. They didn't look at it as an obstacle. They looked at it as a gift. And they realized that that was a way of keeping them united as a family. United around the care for that special needs child. United upon the fact that we are going to depend upon God to take care of this situation. And I want you to know that God has come through in a miraculous way. Now, there's always that next curve, that, that, that next obstacle that we constantly face, but God has come through every single time. And I want you to know He'll do the same thing for you. Uh, maybe you're struggling in your life today. You said, man, I can identify. I've got a special needs child in my life. I have a, a unique circumstance in my life. I would love to pray with you about that. I'd love to offer you some, some support during this time. Uh, if I can help you with that, just give me a call at 252-267-2365. Leave me a text or leave me a voicemail. I'll get back to you just as quick as I can. And I want you to know that you don't have to walk that path by yourself. When we found out that our son had autism, uh, we were not surprised, uh, but we were devastated. Uh, we saw some telltale signs that something wasn't right with him. And then we finally got the diagnosis when he was about two years old. Uh, that yes, indeed, he does have autism. So for the last 20 years, we've been on this journey. Uh, somebody had put it like this, autism is not a journey that I would have signed up for, but is a journey that I have thoroughly enjoyed. You know, God has given us joy in the midst of going through this journey. Uh, it's hard to describe uh, how God renews us, how God empowers us, and how God inspires us, but I know that He does, and I've seen Him come through every single time. Sometimes God will put you in favor with the right people uh, to make the right connections. Uh, sometimes God will just open up doors that you never even knew existed. Uh, that's how God works. That's why we don't want to walk through this by ourselves. Get the support that you need. You know, I'm a big proponent of small group ministry. It has been through the years, my small group, that has helped to sustain us. I remember the very first small group that we had. One of the members of that group that we had many, many years ago became a care provider for our son, Seth. Was right in our group with us and decided that uh, they could help us. And lo and behold, God used that person uh, to help us. I want you to know that whatever you're going through, God is with you every step of the way. Don't get discouraged. Don't be defeated. Keep the right attitude. 
Focus on the blessings and not the curse. Listen, life is filled with curses. You can't get around them. Uh, You can't live a life without hurt. You can't make it through life without somebody coming against you. People are going to be constantly coming against you. But don't let your heart be terrified. Uh, Jesus said, as he gathers the disciples around them, he says, don't let your heart be troubled, neither be dismayed. And then he gives them a future promise, the promise of heaven, the promise of a future blessing. Well, I want to encourage you today that if you'd like to contact me, you're welcome to contact me uh, through the phone. Uh, You can leave me a text at 252-267-2365. Or if you'd like to download a free copy of the broadcast on the podcast, it is now available at www.buzzsprout.com. Let me spell that out for you. B-U-Z-Z-S-P-R-O-U-T dot com and then backslash 1890557. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I appreciate you being with us. Let me give you this number again. Buzzsprout.com 1890557. There's also a link on hrcc7.org if that's easier for you to listen to the podcast that way. Well, thank you so much for joining us today in the broadcast. If I can help you, you can call me at 757-421-7500 or 252-267-2365. Thank you so much for listening to the broadcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. We meet at 9 o'clock or 1030. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.